We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. And I got a great guest for you guys today. Going to introduce him in just a moment. Before we get to that, just one quick reminder, if you're enjoying the show, if it's the you know 10th time you've listened to it or the 100th time you've uh, listened to it or watched it, please be sure to subscribe. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe. If you like it a lot, leave a, a nice five-star rating and a review. And to our YouTube watchers out there, we are still shadow banned somehow. So be sure that you're hitting the notification bell on YouTube. And we are on Rumble now as well. So if you like Rumble better than YouTube, then uh, you can check us out there. My guest today is Bear Wozniak. Bear is a world champion surfer. I'm going to be sure to ask him about that because that sounds pretty cool. A certified ninja black belt and a sought-after speaker. He is the host of the Bear Wozniak Adventure Radio Program and EWTN's motorcycle-based immersive reality show series, Long Ride Home with Bear Wozniak. Bear is the author of several books, um, a couple of them, a, a Surfer's Guide to the Soul, Deep Adventure, The Way of Heroic Virtue. And the one we'll probably talk about the most today, it's called 12 Rules of Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Bear, welcome to Finding Freedom. Aloha. You know, I love the name of your show, Lions of Liberty. It reminds me of the quote from St. Augustine, where it says, where he says, truth is a lion. You don't need to, you don't need to defend truth. Truth is like a lion. It'll defend itself. So just speak the truth and uh, it'll stand on its own two feet. So I love the name of your show. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, the truth is always going to win in the end, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. So if we stick to the truth and not the ways of the world, um, I think I think we'll be okay. Yes. So I, I did say in your intro there, I, I said a, a couple of things about you, but uh, you know, some people in my audience, I'm sure it's, it's the first time that they've uh, first time they're being introduced to you. So, if you could do a you know, a little longer introduction, tell my audience a little bit about yourself, what you're passionate about, and uh, maybe a, a little bit about your your world champion um, surfer days. Well, the best thing about being a uh, world champion surfer is that's how I met my wife. We live here in Waikiki Beach. Actually, I'm looking out right now uh, at the beach. There's perfect waves coming in, kind of glassy offshore conditions and and uh, my world championship is in tandem surfing that's where you lift a woman in all these extreme lifts uh, we do over 45 overhead lifts and the most extreme one uh is where the woman stands in your hands over while you're pressing her up over your hands and i was the, the original one to do that in competition i did that in uh Hossegar, france uh years ago uh, but the good thing about tandem surfing is I was competing over in Florida, and I met this this wonderful, grace-filled, beautiful Southern Belle cowgirl type of woman, uh, Cynthia and Cindy, and uh, we began to tandem surf together. Uh, 
she she competed with me in a, in uh, in a contest there. I asked her if she would compete with me. Uh, six weeks later, and, we, and it was so cool because we got to the beach, and my whole life I'd always wanted to jump out of a helicopter into a surf contest. Don't ask mm -hmm. me why, but someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, "You want you guys want to jump out of a helicopter in a surf contest?" And I go, "Well, yes, I do." So uh, it show, shows you her adventurous spirit. We got in the helicopter. They hovered over the contest site and all the competitors that was in the finals, they figured, oh, we won. Bear and Cindy aren't here. But we jumped out of this helicopter and my son was there and he had our tandem surfboard out in the water. So and we shredded it. We did great. So but but having a, an adventurous woman in my life who's also just very. She brings peace into my life and she she affirms me. She loves uh, real men. And uh, so, yeah, that's the best thing about being a world champion is you get to find your wife. <laughs> there you go. I like that. So were, were you born and raised in, in Hawaii or where did you grow up? I was actually born in the Dakotas. I only remember being there a couple of years uh, and I'm going back there in a, uh, in a few days. We're going to do some galas for some of our radio stations, but, uh, and, and do the book tour with the book, you know, the 12 rules for manliness, where have all the cowboys gone? You got to go, we're going up to Montana into the Dakotas to be with all the cowboys. But, um, I was, I was actually raised in Santa Cruz, California, and uh, began to surf there and then moved down to Southern California and lived in the Malibu area. But then uh, about 25 years ago, every surfer ends up getting swept ashore in, in, in Oahu. And if you're smart, you stay here because we've got perfect surf all year round, depending on what swell window, what direction it is. Like it's swinging now. I face south. The swell window mm -hmm. starts to swing to the north. We had 25 foot swells on the north shore last week. So, uh, so it's kind of like we have fall conditions and winter conditions too. It's which way the, the swell is coming from. <laughs> so on an island, you can drive 45 minutes and get to the swell, where if you're on the mainland, you might have to drive uh, 2,500 miles. So, Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a benefit to being surrounded by water, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's beautiful here. So let, let's talk a little bit about you and, and a little bit about this book. So like I said, and you just held the book up there, 12 Rules of Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? So you know, you're saying you're talking about surfing and living in Hawaii now, but, but you did grow up in, in cowboy country. So at, at what, at what point did you start to identify with, uh, with cowboys as, as being, oh, you know, sort of a, a face every, of manliness? Everybody did. When I, I mean, I remember little Joe Cartwright, I was a young, young man where was watching Bonanza and, and, and Clint Eastwood and Rawhide and little Joe Cartwright, you know, he had always, when he was in a gunfight, he'd run, he would roll on the ground and shoot while he was rolling, and I'd practice that all the time. And of course, I don't know if he was a great, a great uh, example to me because I think he killed sixty-one people, and was shot sixteen times too. So, but no, the, all my heroes were cowboys. I mean, I grew up yeah. in that era, and and still to this day, even uh, the, the 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 person who wrote Star Wars said it's just a cowboy show in space. So. But one of my great, my favorite authors was Louis L'Amour. Uh, when I was a co corporate banker and I was flying from one side of the coast to the other every week, I'd always grab one of his books and I have all 105 of his in my library behind me. And uh, uh, I know he wrote more than those, but I have 105 leather-bound editions. And I love reading Louis L'Amour Westerns because his men always strove to be virtuous and the women were strong. Normally, back before those days, women weren't portrayed in that kind of light in the books. So... Yeah, so I want to be a cowboy. I want to live that uh, the the code that they lived by, and uh, and when I was young, men strive to live by that code. One, they may call it, not call it the cowboy code, but 
they all they all wanted to be self-reliant they they laid their life down for their country for their family for their friends it wasn't the macho stuff it was the servant leadership that i saw in those men mm -hmm. and so yeah i think uh, i was driving along waikiki beach here going over by diamond head and my wife cindy leans over and she turns up the radio and she says you're going to love this song and i heard the words of paula cole singing this song where is my john wayne where have all the cowboys gone you know she was singing you you make the money i'll raise the kids you know so so there's that that feeling when we go and speak uh i speak a lot to men's conferences but when i go to speak to a, a mixed group my wife will come with me before we can get out of the car you know kind of get our books from the back of the car and head in mm -hmm. we literally don't no matter what age group we have the young college students or no matter what age range the women will stop us from walking towards the conference and tell us please tell the men we want them we need them to be men we need real men we need men so yeah i think the world is crying out for 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 real men so let's let's riff on that a bit so what is a real man I like that. Well, you know, the Latin word for man uh, is vir, V-I-R. It's where you get the word virtue. That's what a real man is. A, a real man comes factory loaded with a sense of desiring to live a, in a heroic way, you know, to, to live heroic virtue, which is the classic virtues of Aristotle and Plato of justice, self-mastery or prudence, fortitude. Uh, and uh, justice, self-mastery, prudence, fortitude, and I probably I probably forgot one. But uh, those are the cardinal virtues. Those That's the compass that sets our direction. And then I'm a Christian, so I uh, also uh, aspire to the three theological virtues that St. Paul wrote about, a faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. other, I think the one I missed was fortitude, justice, self-mastery, prudence, and fortitude. Yeah. Yeah, so if, if so, living by those cardinal virtues, by the word, the, the word cardinal uh, is 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 used like in a compass. There's the, my son has a tattoo of a compass on his leg. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the you know the the true north, the, the true south, the card uh, on the cardinal compass. So it really gives you direction, and that's what I well, that's what I mean by manliness. I don't mean macho stuff, but I mean men that know how to grit it out and uh, know how to know how to uh, will the true good for the other, and not just to will the true good, but to but to will it and to to strive for that through self-donation. Yeah, I, I like that. And, you know, I, I think there's this misconception. And, I mean, we've seen people recently, uh, I think of Andrew Tate. You know, do you know who Andrew Tate is? Yeah. It's, he comes to mind as, yeah. as someone who has um, really captured the attention of a lot of young I'll say boys out there because I don't consider I call them man, man boys, man boys, yeah. man boys. Um, and he's, you know, portraying this life of, you know, indulgence and, uh, you know, surrounded by, um, you know, I, I, I'll call them, call them e-thoughts, but, uh, you know, women who don't value themselves really is, yeah. is, is another way to say tragic, it. very tragic souls. Yeah. And, uh, and showing this as the path to to being a, a real man. So how, how do you think we got to this point? I guess well, this is a complicated question. I, I where, think it's real simple. I think it's simple. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. you I, was, I thought I had your question, yeah. No, I mean, it's 
maybe maybe it's not. It's probably a simple answer, but yeah, maybe there's different parts to the question because you have, you know, how, how do we get to the point where men are, where boys are looking to someone like Andrew Tate? For, well, it, it, for it, this where get, let's go back to the root of it. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas, yeah. a brilliant, maybe the smartest man that ever lived. His his definition of an effeminate man is a man that seeks his own pleasure. And something happened back uh, when the pill came out. I'm going to go back to them because men, so many men will go, oh, you know, they, they, they make fun of us when we're on TV and on the commercials and, and poor us. And that just sounds like, an, like a victim. Mm-hmm. The reason why it got to where it is today is because we let it happen. We let it happen by, I'll tell you what, when the pill came out and I was there, you know, I was the hippie generation. When it came out, Men would say to man boys would say to a girl, if you really love me, you'd go to bed with me. You know, it's the third date. We should be having sex by now. It wasn't mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 love and responsibility. They have to go hand in hand in, in the day when uh, in the back in the day, um, contraception was something that most most all of Western culture rejected. Once once um, once the pill came out, there was a license to steal. Men, you know, as I say, why buy the cow if you can just go get the milk, you know? So a man who seeks pleasure then becomes more coquettish than a high school girl because he'll promise the girl, oh, I'm going to marry you someday. But uh, right now, you know, if you really love me, we could, we should go to, go to bed together. And it just broke. It just broke the hearts of women. And it, 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 cause in the, because before that, women needed to look for a man who was responsible, who was strong, who was a provider because they knew – uh, making love to a man could result in ha- they're, ha- they're having a child. And of course, mm-hmm. abortion was uh, rejected by all society too back in those days. So once once the pill, once abortion broke in, then the whole covenant between a man and a woman was destroyed. And so my jo- so I think it's the job for men these days to restore that by um, by two things. It's it's love and responsibility. One without the other is not is you know is bullshit. You have to have both love and truth, love and responsibility go hand in hand. And then the man has to go beyond just being this gritty man that you hear so many of the self-help talks about. You know, you can set your goals, you can make a lot of money, you can get physically fit, which are all good things. But then I also would add to it grit and grace. There has to be a part of you that has a spiritual a spiritual life, that you're not in it just for yourself, that you're in it to, like I said, it's 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 self donation, and for me as a Christian, it's having that personal journey with God. But if you, if all you are is I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps, and you read these self help books, and I'm going to become really macho and really manly, you're going to fall on your own sword. So we need we need men that will 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 choose to lay down their life for the people in their in their that they love. We need men that will wait until they're married to to have relationships with the women. With a woman, we need we need men who can tough it out. So, I kind of got on my soapbox there. But it, the the problem is back when the social contract was broken between a man and a woman, and this so called free the free love uh, just became became a nightmare of entanglement, fractured souls, and bondage. And now men they don't even need to have a woman in the life; they just go to pornography. And 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 one yeah. of my chapters says. How a man treats a woman defines him. There's nothing more disrespectful than than looking at a woman as an object instead of of lust instead of a subject of love. Sorry, I'm rambling. Yeah, no, I I, I 100% agree with that. And uh, I mean, we can keep with that topic of pornography here for for a little bit because I think 
you know, I think a lot of men kind of grow up in this culture of it being totally normal, totally normal to, you know, to watch, you know, other people having sex and then, you know, getting your, your, you know, your sexual gratification from that. And also thinking it's normal to do that once you're married to a woman. Yeah. And thinking that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, and it's not going to impact your emotional or sexual rela- relationship in any anyway with your, with your wife, which I think is totally what, absurd. What a betrayal! It's, what a betrayal! Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and it's become totally normalized. There are so many couples out there that you know, from the outside, you look at their relationship, and sure, they might be living in the same house and married, but the man is living in the basement watching porn. I mean, not right. even sleeping in, in wife with in, sleeping in bed with his wife. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so it's it's you know, it starts out that when I was a young man, uh, I think uh, first of all, I didn't even know the facts of life till I was in fifth or sixth grade. I wasn't raised on a ranch, so I mean, I my dad had to sit and explain these things to me. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, young young children are taught are being attacked in by their teachers trying to help them help them choose a gender, and pornography is on the attack. I remember seeing. My first Playboy on the on the on the bottom of a uh, of a back seat of a car that I was driving with one of my older cousins in, and I, and I was like, "What is this?" You know. And now, I, uh, it people, young men, men of all ages are on the attack, and so you need to have. We need to be. We need to be willing to fight that. And the only way I know how to fight that is to change our focus to something else. You know, when I when I'm mm-hmm. lifting a woman in a tandem lift. Uh, I can tell there's certain way places her eyes are supposed to look at every lift. There's a dip, there's points of contact and then there's a place where her eyes need to look. I can feel when her eyes move because she comes out of balance and I'll say, look up or look at my shoulder or look at the horizon and it gets set. Um, it's the same way in our lives. It's where we put our focus is where we're going to go. You know, the word in the Bible for sin, whether it's in the Greek New Testament or in the Old Testament, is the word is an archery term. It means to miss mm-hmm. the mark. Yeah. And so it's really important for people to let their their mind set on good things, um, whether it's good books or good music. I was out golfing uh, two months ago, and there's some, some guys golfing. Uh, and we were in a little tournament, and these guys came up, and then and they were listening to this really bad gangster rap where it really talks about is so disrespectful women. And I said, you know. Do you ever think that kind of music is bad for your soul? And they go, no, man. And they just kind of went on their way. But a month later, at the next tournament, they go, you know, you're right. We stopped listening. We like rap, but we stopped listening to that kind of rap. It's like where you let your focus go. When you're watching TV, are you, you know, there's some shows that are really good, but you've got to have a fast forward button at the at handy when you're watching it. So it needs to be, are you going to choose, like Paul said, whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is perfect, whatever is good of good repute, think on these things. Because what you sow in your mind is going to, whether it's weeds or whether it's good seed, is what you're going to harvest. So you, it, the battle for virtue always begins in the mind. And there's another a word that Paul said, bringing all thoughts into captivity. And you do that by reading like I have I love great books. I feel like I have a chance to sit down with a wonderful person and like G.K. Chesterton or C.S. Lewis or Aquinas or or whoever it may be, Churchill or whoever. And you get to or, you know, you get to see, oh, this is these are wonderful thoughts. And let your mind dwell on that. You have to fight the fight against pornography and you have to be strategic here in Hawaii. Um, 
very rare that there's a shark sighting here in Waikiki, but I remember surfing over at my dad's house in Maui and uh, with my son, and there'd just been a rain and there was murky water had flowed out into the ocean from the river. And we know that murky water is where sharks hang out because they can attack you. They know you're there, you don't know they're there. And I said, hey, Jeremiah, let's move over a little ways over to this other break where there's no, where it's clear water. This is sharky water. Well, th three hours later, someone was attacked by a shark where we were surfing. So where you hang out, if you're hanging out in your basement, first of all, you shouldn't be there with your phone or your or your iPad. Who you're hanging out with, we were golfing with someone just two days ago, and this guy, all he showed, we had four of us were golfing, and this guy shows up. We add him to our fivesome, and he's speaking disrespectfully about women. He's F-bombing all the time. You can That kind of stuff can sicken your soul. You have to choose mm -hmm. who you hang out with, where you're going to hang out, and how, how you regard your mind. And you do that this way. You think, I want to be devoted to my wife, even though you, I haven't met her yet. And most certainly the woman that's that's chosen to live with me that sleeps in my bed, I want to be devoted with her. I want her, my eyes to have a covenant with her and my thoughts, that my thoughts go to her. So that battle has to be won. And I don't know how people can do it without prayer, but I think that that we have to, men have to man up. Yeah, I, I don't know how people can do it without prayer either, or, you know, really without having a you know, relationship with uh, with God. Um, and, you know, not everyone who listens to this is a Christian, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, I do want to come back to what you talked about with, uh, you know, the archery aspect of sin mm. and missing the mark, because mm. I think that is, it's, it's really the, the perfect um, way to view sin, to view falling short, because mm. it's everything that you talked about there with, you know, really where your attention is going, what you're focused on. Um, mm. If you're focused on the wrong thing, if you, if you're, you know, uh, you know, if you are, trying to shoot something with an arrow and you're looking at the wrong target or you're distracted by something you're going to miss. Mm. What you're focused on is, is, is where ultimately that arrow is going to go. That's right. Um, and I think we, we forget about this as, as humans that obviously where our attention is going, you know, th that is where our life is going to lead. And if we're not looking in, you know, a, a virtuous direction, uh, we're not going to lead a virtuous life. So I 100% yeah, so agree true. with that. I, I know we're riding our motorcycles on long ride home. Uh, we warned all the guys because we'd ride in the pack. If a truck or something's coming by, don't look there. Don't look that direction because you're going to turn. You're, you don't even know, but mm -hmm. you'll turn into that truck. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's where you where you where your focus is, is where you're going to go. I love there's a verse in Song of Solomon where uh, the, the beloved uh, – representing Jesus, I guess, singing to, speaking of the woman, her eyes are like doves. And I know doves have, have this ability to only focus on one thing at a time. And so to just have an eyes, an eyes, eyes that are resolute and focused on what's right. And why not? Because there's no joy in, in sexual gratification. There is great joy in, in nuptial union. That's beyond the cosmic, you know, but, but just gratification alone, it just fractures your soul. You feel ugly and ashamed inside. And, and, but, but when you walk a path of virtue, there's freedom and there's, and there's a clarity in your soul. And, uh, and yeah, so I just really encourage, uh, man, that's one of the areas is, is they need to win that battle. There's other areas, of course, too, that the, the book talks about. But, yeah, you need to win that battle. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah. It, it is a battle for sure. Um, something else you talk about in your book is, you know, real men build things mm. and, you know, man, boys complain and, and whine. And you know, I'm, I'm in the world of, I used to be more so into the world of libertarian politics and um, I'm not so much anymore. I'm more, more just observing politics as, as a whole than anything else. I yeah. don't get, get too much into it. Um, but there is so much complaining and so much whining and so much, well, if, you know, yeah. if, if we could just get this person into power, then everything would be okay. Um, yeah. And all that talk, all of that watching, all of that criticizing other people, when you look at your own life, what are you yeah. building? What are you doing? Well, you know, yeah, it's a sissified world. Uh, I know men, we tend to, you know, I, in one of the chapters I talk about a man needs to be dangerous. And ultimately, sometimes you need to be physically dangerous. Uh, when we really get in a, in a pickle, men will use violence. But um, uh, w- women tend to be more catty. You know, when we go out and we tandem surf and there's two alf- there's alpha males on the board with women. The mm-hmm. alpha males are, are we're going for right. We're going to war out there to win that world title. Uh, and the, so our way will be like, you know, puff our chest up and speak uh, sometimes fights almost. And then the women get all catty. That's how they do it. Well, the whole woke culture is just a sissified way of fighting. It's, it's the way women fight. It's gossiping and division and all that sort of thing. I don't mean to put down women, but I'm saying women that are are not healthy. Um, it's a sissified culture that does that. Uh, and, you know, you think about uh, Satan. Satan can't create anything. Right. The devil all he does is destroy what is good, but he can he can't make anything. It's God that makes things, and and when he makes mm-hmm. things like human beings, he made the world. Every time he made something, he said he created it. I should say he said it is good, but when he made man and women, he said it is very good. And he said man, it's it is very good, and then he said oh well, but it's not good for him to live alone. And then he made Eve. You know, men are are from mud, and women are kind of from more highly distilled. They come from the area of the heart, the rib for the man. But, um, but yeah, we need to, um, this whole divisiveness thing, uh, tearing things down, you know, you know, you're out in the public, you get these snide comments from people. Doesn't matter. I don't even read them, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's all this tearing down is not productive. Real men build. The first thing a man wants to do, if you're out, if you're out, uh, camping some places you want to build a shelter you know men build that's what we do and uh and 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 all the enemy does is tear down so we need to find out what we have in common with the with each other and build on the true good 100 percent agree with that um so i want to talk a little bit about you talked about the need for for danger and you know i I don't want to misconstrue that when you don't want to you're not talking about you know, taking huge risks that, you know, could put someone's life in danger. But when you think well, about it, a man to needs maybe. to be dangerous, what, what do yeah, you mean what, by that? Okay. Well, first of all, I would say I've surfed 25 foot waves. My son surfed 85 foot waves. I jump out of airplanes. I've run with the bulls. Okay. But all those are calculated risks, except for running with mm-hmm. the bulls. That's just plain stupid. But, um, <laughs> you know, and having done it twice, that makes you even more stupid. But to me, okay, I'm just going to tell it like it is. The most dangerous, the most dangerous man there is, is someone who will say these words to God, thy will be done. That's a dangerous prayer because you're mm-hmm. saying, Lord, bring it, 
bring it. Whatever your will is, I will do that. A lot of people are martyred for saying that, you know. Um, and so, so Jesus was a dangerous man. I mean, he went into the temple with a whip. And he knew how to use it, by the way. If, you, if you're a rookie with a whip, you'll hurt yourself more than anyone around you, you know. Um, he was a dangerous man. He told his disciples, if someone insults you by slapping you on the cheek, give, them, give to them the other to slap. But when he sent his disciples out to go evangelize, he said, Monsieur, if you don't have a sword, go buy one. So Jesus wasn't a pacifist. He understood the fact that men are protectors by nature. We're factory loaded that way. And we want to be able to be spiritually, uh, to know that we're fighting a spiritual battle and to be very aware of what's going on in our family's life and to pray for our family, people that we love. We need to be ready to fight a spiritual, a, a moral battle. I know a lot of men, a part of my Bears Man Cave at deepadventure.com, we have a, uh, a Zoom video group of men in a, in a school of manliness there. Uh, I know many of them have been asked to be part of the pride committee that year. And when they say no, they don't get fired, but they know they're not going to get promoted. So there's they've a, been asked to be part of what, like their company the is pride, the pride committee, the rainbow committee yeah. for that year or something like that. So, so are we going to be morally tough? Are we going to stand up? To, there's one of the chapters I talk about is riding for the brand. Do people know mm -hmm. who you ride for? Do people know what you stand for? So we need to be spiritually dangerous. I mean, like, there's a, there's a scripture verse where a man tried to cast out a demon by using Christ's name and the demon ripped him to shreds. And he said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but I don't know who you are. Does the devil know even know who you are when you get up in the morning? Is he a little bit nervous? You know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so we need to know there's a spiritual battle. Are you, do you, is your first hour every day, is your first half hour, your first 20 minutes every day, do you spend that in prayer? And the most essential prayer of thy will be done. And, and then we need to be able to actually physically fight. And, and every man, that, that's different. I'm a ninja black belt. Um, um, I'm trained in, 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 the, in a combative art. Uh, but uh, but if, if, if it came right down to it, if someone attacks me, they're attacking my whole family. Am I, how far am I willing to go to defend myself or defend my family? A man needs, you know, you know, you, know how you can tell a dangerous man is because he, when he walks down the street, he smiles. He doesn't act tough. He just yeah. smiles, you know. And so uh, so I'm just saying a man needs to be dangerous at all three of those levels. But to me, the most dangerous man of all was Jesus Christ because he said his disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he said, OK, I'll teach you. Pray these prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right off the bat, Jesus talked about an invasion of his kingdom. And, 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 and submitting to the Father. And then Jesus said that again on the Mount of Olives the night before he died. Not my will, but thy will be done to his Father. So to be, to be a man who says thy will be done, gets on his knees first thing every morning and says thy will be done, makes you a dangerous man in a lot of ways. It makes you a powerful man. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it might not be you know intuitive to think of it this way, but praying thy will be done, I mean, there's change associated with that. I mean, you're you're uh -huh. praying for for God yeah. to to change to change your life, to change your heart, yeah. to to convict yeah. you in your uh, in your ways, which is not going to be easy. Um, it's it, not going to be easy at all. There's that, as there's that, that comes of, about. There's the picture of the knight bowing down, his head's like this, and his enemy looks at him and goes, "Oh, he's defeated." 
And then he gets up and makes the sign of the cross and stands up. And he's just, all he is is getting ready to go to battle. And he says, thy will be done. Think about this. I think one of the, the coolest animals in the world, most powerful in, in the heart of them animals, there's lions, but there's also the horse, you know. A horse, a man can ride into battle. He'll ride right into a spear. He'll mm -hmm. leap over mountains. Would you say a horse is weak? No, he's very powerful. But what he is, is he's meek. Meekness and weakness are different. He submits mm -hmm. to the rider's will. And because of that, he does amazing things that he would never do without that rider. And so I know for me, when I say thy will be done, I get to see stuff happen. Because God's going to put me into the front lines or put me in there. And I get to see see him do stuff. I get mm -hmm. to see miracles. I get to see I get to see people's lives change. So there's no more thrilling way to live than than to say those simple words, thy will be done. Amen to that. Um, I want to talk about, you know, really an epidemic in, in the U.S. and a lot of the uh, a lot of the first world is that married couples are not having as many children. And, you know, for someone like myself, my wife and I, we only have we, we have one kid. We we have uh we, we have our, our daughter who's eight years old and we would love to have more kids and, and hopefully we are blessed with more kids um in the future. But what I'm more speaking to is there a lot of couples out there don't even want to have kids. There's a lot of women out there who they go on social media saying they don't want to raise a family. They want to work for corporations and they, you know, they want to, they want to work their, their nine to five dream. So how important is it, you know, as, as men and as women to desire to have a family? I remember when I was, I remember this, I remember being in a food coma uh, after having lunch and as a junior in high school, I probably had tater tots and chicken fried steak. I was actually going to my senior year of high school in Texas. And I was sitting in social studies, kind of nodding off. And then suddenly I had this epiphany that as a man, I could have a child and a child lives forever. What greater adventure could there be than that? On the other hand, Satan hates life. He hates human life. And so he does all that he can to stop people from having children. Um, and of course, right now, we're in very much of a danger of the population uh, shrinking in our country and the whole economy, the whole economy collapsing. But, but it's, 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 there's a, there is a verse, to, you know, I see when I go out and I speak to college students, the women will go, the guys don't, the guys just hang around us. They don't even ask us out on dates. And if they do, they don't ask us to marry them. And there's a verse that comes to my mind. It was the angel said to St. Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary to you as your wife. Men are, 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 are cowards, not cowboys these days. They're afraid mm -hmm. to take Mary to them as, they're afraid to take the woman to them as a wife. And then they don't, they're not strong men. Uh, and so they don't, the, the woman doesn't trust them to have a child with them. And then they, the woman begins her career and, you know, Maybe she finds satisfaction in it, but there comes a point in her late 30s where she's thinking, wait a minute, I'd love to have a child, but wait a minute, I've got a mortgage payment. I overbought my house. My lifestyle's too, mm -hmm. too extravagant. And so I just tell people um, you, you, there needs to be a radical adjustment in that. And, uh, uh, and, and, and to think about the greatest, the greatest honor, the very greatest gift a human being could have is to bring into existence this wonderful. So you you do that with your spouse <clears throat> at the moment of conception. That the DNA it, it creates this beautiful human body, but.
but God the Father, who is a father, infuses into that that uh, that that at the moment of conception a very unique, special, spiritual, rational soul. And I believe that 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 soul will live forever, and the body as well uh, at the resurrection. So. So what an honor, what a mystery, what an adventure. It's the greatest adventure of all. And it's so sad because people will wait and wait and then it's too late. And, I, and, on the, and one other thing, one, I, was at, I was at a meeting in, in Napa and someone asked Archbishop Chaput, who's such a radical, uh, he wrote a great book on the, the post-Christian Western world. Uh, and uh, they asked him, what's the best tool, what's the best evangelistic program that you know of? And he said, get married, have lots of children, bring them up in the work. That's it. Very simple. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that. I've kind of just had this epiphany recently, just been just been talking to a lot of my friends um, who, you know, I know that they would call them, they do call themselves Christians, but you know, they're not even taking their their children to church. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not raising them in the same way that they were raised. And, you know, maybe they have some issue with, you know, the church they went to growing up or something well, like they that. Can always get, they can always come up with an issue. Exa- exactly. But they're not. And I'm trying to challenge, you know, others to kind of think about, you're telling me right now that, that you believe in God. Are you giving your son, your daughter, your child that same opportunity? Are you even giving them the opportunity? So are you, are you, uh, as, as you're as a man... Are you are you leading your wife? You know, does she see yeah. you in the early morning hours praying? Are you, you know, there's a there's a really cool Pew, Pew statistic uh, on this. I don't know if you if you know about this one. Where it says if a woman goes to church by herself, about a little bit less than a third of those children will stay in the faith. If the man and the woman go together, about seventy five percent will. Mm-hmm. But if only the man goes, and takes the children, about seventy five percent stay in the church. So the man is the linchpin in that. And so men, you need to bring your spouse with you. You need to bring your children. You need to find a church home. I I love my faith. I happen to be Catholic, but you need to find a fellowship. And also men, you need to be in the company of other good men. You need to get together every every week or once a month for a cigar and whiskey or something or coffee. And you need to get men that you can really talk, uh, really get gritty with and real with, you know, talk about not politics, not about football, but talk about what's going on in your life and your walk with God and uh, support mm-hmm. and encourage each other. But you need, you need the church and, but you need, you need that small pack. You can't be a lone wolf and lone wolves are simply alpha male wolves that have been kicked out by a younger male and they, 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 they don't hunt in the pack. So they die young. So lone wolves don't survive. We need, we need to run in a pack. Iron sharpens iron, right? Right. As one man sharpens another. That's, right. that's the truth. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give your book away, but uh, you know, there's yeah, do. talking a lot do. about it. But just one, just one more question. Well, let's 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 um, title of the book: Twelve Rules for Manliness. Where have all the cowboys gone? Based on the life of John Odermatt. If I say your <laughs> the name right. <laughs> you, you talk about it in the book that you know. Like your your worst nightmare is you know when you die if uh, they say that you were a really nice guy I don't know if that's how you phrased it but it was something like yeah. that so can you can you expand on that Yeah I, it's in little ways and I want to be a good man and good is a very powerful word because Jesus said only God is good 
So I want to not just be made in God, God's image. I want to become like Him. I want to grow in virtue, and this is this is a this is a this is a this is an example. Uh, I mentioned earlier we were out golfing uh, Sunday, my son and I, with three really two uh, two really good friends of his, good quality men, and then another party joined us, a fifth person, and he was so foul uh, in the way he spoke of women, and at one point he used Christ's name as a cuss word. And so a nice guy just would have let that go. And I and I was getting to the point where I was going to say something to him. And I always try to do it in a way that says, you know, I know you're a good or a better man than that to speak of women like that. You know, uh, I, I know you're better than that. But when he used Christ's name, that was the, that was a, the linchpin. When I turned to him and I lifted my, my golf club kind of pointed at him because I'm older than him, I can get away with things. And I just said, the only name by which a man can be saved. A nice guy wouldn't have said that. And so being a nice guy is that passive. It's kind of that Homer Simpson backing up into the shrub. It's it's his neighbor, whatever, whatever the neighbor's name was, the Christian neighbor. Um, It makes me want to throw up all these nice guys that will never, never uh, speak the truth. There's a one of the things I say is that you need to in one of the chapters is be a man of your word. Uh, Well, being a man of your word means to say the word that needs to be said to who it needs to be said at the right moment. And so we as men, uh, you know, I can tell you, there there are times in the water when I might cuss, you know, um, at someone who's being an idiot. I may call them out to even fight them. I've I've done it when they're running over, especially our tourists or our guests here. But that's not a nice guy, but that's a good man. So, yeah, there's, you know, we need, we need good men. We don't need the passive nice guys anymore. We need good men. How, how much, how much of, to, of that, of the, you know, the wussification of just being a nice guy, how much has that directly fueled, you know, what we're seeing in our society, what we're seeing in our governments, what we're seeing in our world is, you know, things just seem to be getting more and more chaotic every day. It's our fault. It's men. It's, it's, a, it's a fault of men. It's our fault. Yeah. It's not anybody else's fault but ours. We, when women uh, wanted to, were sold this lie about you know you can go out and have this great career and you're going to find great satisfaction in that, uh, <clears throat> and women stepped up. That was good. It was good to see you know my daughter and seeing women if they want to do that they can, but when women started to step up, men just stepped back and said then you do it. You know, and so we let we it, the wussification isn't that something someone did that to us we did that to ourselves and it goes back to we we sought pleasure instead of responsibility there's a john wayne uh something john wayne said uh louis lamore said it he he quoted it in one of the one of the, the westerns you're born you're born a boy but you got to become a man mm-hmm. and another word he said to before you can be a, a gentleman you first have to be a man so it's responsibility in hawaii we have a word kuleana Kuleana means it means more than stewardship. It means more than responsibility. It's as if I said that part of the ocean there is your kuleana. You own that. You care for that. So when you talk about someone's kuleana, it's their. It's like when Jesus, when God said to Adam, "Take care of the garden. Uh, make things multiply. You know, take care of it." The kuleana is is not just something I have. It's who I am. And so men need to grow into responsibility and. And, the, and responsibility means you've got to be able to have the grit and the toughness to 
to follow through. Men, you can go a lot further than you think you can. When I paddled yeah. my surfboard across the Molokai Channel, one of the most treacherous channels in the wor world, 35 miles, a really gnarly day, it was one paddle stroke at a time. And when I pedaled from California to Jacksonville, Florida on my bicycle, one pedal at a time. And, and when I was training for my, my, my ninja black belt, my sensei would come up and he would assist me with my push-ups by pushing down on my shoulders to make it harder. And he would say, you can do one more of anything. So the men out there, I want to yeah. just encourage the men are listening. You feel it, men. You can feel it in your heart. That stirring in you to be a man that stands for something, that is a man of virtue. And you not only can you do it, you're designed to do it. You've been factory loaded with the tools to do it. Begin, you don't have to radically suddenly become like men who join our man cave. The first thing they do is they, they, they start wanting to get in physical shape. And it may take them a year to drop 80 pounds. But the mm -hmm. moment that they begin to have a life of virtue, of fit, being physically fit and having a good eating regimen, they're virtuous from that moment. You don't see the fruit of it yet. But you can, from this moment, turn and say, I will live a virtuous life. And, 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 and virtue is just one small decision followed by action. One small decision that followed by action. And that accumulates. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that when you live a life of virtue, it provides you a life of ease. Mm -hmm. Now, that means it two ways. It's super easy to make decisions when you know what the virtuous decision is. You don't have to be clever to pursue the true good. You know it. Secondly, as you live a life of virtue, your life gets better. You're less in bondage. Your discipline brings freedom. Uh, and, 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 and that doesn't mean, though, that you might not someday be called to be a martyr. But if you do, then God's grace will be there with you. So, so, so men, uh, choose the hard thing and do little things. And over time, you can build the virtue of fortitude from the outside in. Go lift weights every day. You're building, you're building, it's an act of your inner man, your will to not to choose to do that and, and, and then the next day do it again. So, yeah, we need you men that are listening to this. You can become a man of virtue right now with every mm -hmm. little decision you make from this moment forward. What you're going to read. Are you going to complain? Are you going to focus on what's wrong or focus on what's right? Are you going to be a victim or a victor? 100% agree with that. Bear, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, just want to ask you to please give, give your plugs for, for your podcast, for, mm -hmm. your, uh, for the, your, your group that you have, for your book. Um, where can people get everything? Uh, uh, well, uh, so deepadventure.com is our site for everything. And there we have the mama bears. We have the man cave and the three-year school of manliness, which men join the man cave and we have Zoom meetups once a month. But then there's this curriculum that the main men go through through the month. And then we as men go through it together through the man cave. It's like a non-Facebook community. And then we have the Zoom meetup. Uh, but then the men lead their sons through the through the school of manliness. Hmm. And single moms lead their sons through. And this book, 12 Rules for Manliness, where have all the cowboys gone? This book is for women. Um, I've had I've been on so many radio shows lately, and the women love this book. They even have they even read it with their husbands. Like, you know, right off the bat, every man's got to have a creed, a code he can live by, and they're working on their, their creed. But single moms can read this to their sons. Fathers, it may take you two years to get through this book with your sons because you may read three sentences and suddenly your son lights up. That's when you stop and you listen and you talk. Mm -hmm. But aren't you tired of your son coming home after school and saying, 
So what did you do today, son? Oh, same old thing. You know, you can't, it's hard to get traction with a conversation. But when you read a book like this, it'll light them up. So deepadventure.com, you can find our TV show, Long Ride Home, uh, on Prime Video, uh, on the EWTN network, and at our website, Deep Adventure. Uh, my radio show, The Bear Wozniak Adventure, you can find it there too, or on, on the YouTube channel or the EWTN radio network. Um, the books, Bear Wozniak. At Amazon is a great place to go to get the books because you can get them fast. And uh, and John, thank you so much for what it's, I like. I like being with a man like you because you're on the front lines. You're not in the background. Well, try trying to be, and uh, you know, grateful for a man like you who is who is leading and giving people the material and the community to uh, you know mm. to create more men to uh, to to give a uh, you know a sort of guide for, uh, for men to, yeah. uh, you know, get back on the track that we're supposed to be on. So I appreciate that. Appreciate everything that you're doing. Yeah. Traction and trajectory. Mm-hmm. Both. Yeah. And I love what you said about community. All right. Bear Wozniak. Thank you for coming on finding freedom. Aloha. All right, guys, that was my interview with bear Wozniak. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Um, like I said there, and like Bear said, you can find his book and his podcast and everything else that he has um, at those links he provided. I will also put all that information on the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com. You can check it out there. As I said at the top of the show, if you like what you're hearing and you want more content, we do have some bonus content at Lions of Liberty, which you can get by joining on Patreon, patreon.com slash Liberty, or on Locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com. That is it for this week. I will see everyone next week. In the meantime, always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. (laughs) 